0: We have been in a theological series this summer on the Apostles' Creed, and what we're doing is we're going line by line and kind of expounding on it with the hope to give everyone in this room a foundation about what we believe. The Apostles' Creed is a foundational uh, piece of what we believe as Christians, not only here at Recovery House of Worship, but globally. Amen? So it's important for us to go through it slowly so that we can continue to kind of break it down so that we're clear on what we believe. It's important for us to understand that. Amen? It's, it's a very powerful thing. The word creed comes from the Latin word credo, which is a Spanish word, which means to creed. So the apostle's belief is this as a whole. And what we do every time that we read it as a congregation together is that we're aligning ourselves and affirming what the apostles believe, and what is foundationally true about what we believe and extract from the Bible. Amen? So that's very powerful. But what you also do is that we're denying what the world is trying to tell us that we should believe. And that's a very powerful thing. So every time we read it collectively, that's what we're doing. So when we read it today, I want everybody to kind of read it out loud. It's a constant reminder of what we believe. Now, what we're denying, so just, you know, everyone in this room is being discipled. Everyone in this room is being discipled. You say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you're either being discipled in the church by Christ or by the world. There is a belief system that you're developing that we as pastors have to chip away constantly, not only on Sunday, but when we sit down with you on a regular basis. And what we affirm and align ourselves with is this belief. And it started out with, I believe. And we have to be mindful that this is very foundational to what we believe as Christians. But what we're also denying is what the world's trying to tell us. The first thing is materialism. The world is trying to tell us that the more we have, the happier we'll be. Okay? So that's what the world is telling us. So we spend a lot of time trying to accumulate things and get things because we find ourselves that we have this, then I'll be happy. The other thing that we're trying to reject is this whole, or deny, is intellectualism. We're not neglecting intellect. We want smart people. But the world is saying that it's going to take intellectuals to solve the problems of our world. And that's not true. The more I read, the more I realize, the smarter we get, the bloodier we get. And then it's agnosticism, where you have to see it you know, to believe I remember reading somewhere where God spoke to one of his disciples and told Thomas because Thomas was doubting he didn't believe that he had resurrected and he said blessed are those who have not seen but yet will believe we also deny atheism which is this whole idea that this cosmic explosion took place and voila here we are that's the world is trying to get us to believe. If you're here for the first time, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And if you're searching, I want to encourage you to to allow your search to be a little more thorough than just denying or rejecting God because of something that has happened in your life and you're blaming God for it. My road to where I am today started in this whole book called The Naked Ape. If you're not familiar with it, it's evolution. And the more I searched, the more I picked it apart, the more I began to dissect and look, the more problems I had with what they were trying to tell me. And then I began to read the Bible and something blew up inside of me. Because that's what happens when you get to the truth, God's truth. It does something powerful inside you. Amen? So today, collectively, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up, we're going to recite the Apostles' Creed to open up our service, and then we're going to dive into today's talk, amen? amen. Hopefully it will be on the screen, everybody see it? In a very loud voice, everybody, the count to three, let's work our way from left to right, amen? Go straight down on the left and then up, okay, everybody got it? Okay, one, two, three. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Yeah, you know. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Today we're going to be focusing on the ascension of Jesus Christ and its implications to our faith. Before we read the account of the ascension, I want to read from John 14, verses 2, 3, and 12, and I want you to write these things down. It's important for you to have these scriptures. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. I'm going to encourage you to go deeper and further. Don't expect a 30-minute talk to enlighten you. It's important that you become students of God's word. It's important that you go further in your search, and it's important that you get around a community of people that challenge your belief and that you resolve this through God's word and no other source. So that's what we want to encourage you today. But I wanted to read this because it ties in exactly to what we're talking about, and it's found in John 14... Jesus is speaking, and this is what he says. Don't be troubled. You trust God, now trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's home, and I am going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. Verse 12 in the same book says, The truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Now, this is really important for us as we read this today. Amen? There are five milestones in the narrative of Jesus' life. Baptism, transfiguration, the crucifixion, resurrection, and the ascension. The ascension appears to be the one we speak of less. You have to understand that after Jesus resurrected, he appeared to his disciples, and he spent time with them. He ate with them. He confirmed that he had risen. Physically, he had risen. There was a physical body that now they can touch. In fact, he said, give me to eat, and he ate with them, and he hung out with them, but 40 days he was with them. The Bible says that seven weeks into it he ascended and they saw them. And the account we're about to read right now is found in the book of Acts, written by a physician by the name of Luke, who is also responsible for writing what of the gospel, everybody? Luke. Luke, Luke. Look, 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 I'm a little concerned already with the audience, okay? Acts, notes, Acts, Acts, notes. He wrote Acts, but he also wrote notes. And what we're going to read together now, you have in your sermon map, because what we want you to do when we give you a sermon map and when we put it on the screen, it's not so that you can be lazy up in here, it's so that you can see exactly what we're reading. Now, you can be highlighting and circling and putting a question mark. Man, I don't get this. I don't understand this. Listen to me. The only way you're going to get to where you need to get to is understanding God's word. There's too much information out there today, too much false information out there, circling, that's allowing, because here's what I know. What I believe dictated how I behaved. Okay? So the Apostles' Creed for us is a very foundational summer series that we're going through, and we're trying to kind of encapsulate it, but it's going deeper and further than we've ever gone before, and we want to encourage you to come along with us. So the scriptures I'm giving you is for you to see. So I read John because it's important for you to understand that he already said that he was going to this place. He already had mentioned his resurrection. So for them to have been surprised means they weren't paying attention. Nudge the person next to you and say, pay attention. attention. Okay? It's important for us to pay attention. Amen? That hurt, right? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to read from Acts really quick. It says, in my first book, I told Theophilus. I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Now, this guy, Theophilus, is a Roman officer who what I love he's doing, he's giving him an account, but I also believe that he is evangelizing this guy. He's trying to get them to see exactly what happened and how it's been documented and how it is that it's real. Amen? He goes on to say, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. I would be underlining that word, gift he promised. Like everybody here, their love language here is gifts. Everybody wants something, okay? As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those days and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power. Somebody said power. And the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday, he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. This is recorded by Dr. Luke. It's important for you to understand that it was witnessed by Not only his disciples, but others now who have began to gather and follow him around. I don't know about you, but if a guy rises from the dead, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to begin to listen to what he has to say. Just out of mere curiosity, I would like to know how this happened. So today what I want to talk to you about the implications of Christ's ascension. But I also want you to hear how it is that it's recorded in other places. Because in Mark chapter 16, 19, it says when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Two things are happening here as we read in the Apostles' Creed. He not only ascended now in physical form, he literally has ascended But now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. A place of authority, power, status. A lot of people feel that the cross was the end. Because he said it is finished. He was referring to the mission he was sent to do. This is almost like a soldier returning home after being in the battlefield. And he's placed right back in the position that he occupied from the beginning of time. That eternity of eternity that we still can't fathom or understand. There is this place of this eternity way before Genesis where they spoke everything into existence. And we talked about the triunity of God. And still to this day, people are like, oh, triunity. I don't understand. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, hey, keep coming back. It's vital that you understand that. But our God is three in one, working things through. Amen? It's very powerful to see that. And that's how it's recorded there in Mark. He sits in this place of honor. And now what you have to begin to understand that, 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 that there's something else now that has to take place. Jesus is sitting in this right hand of the Father. Now he's Lord over everything. This, now he's cosmically over everything. Over the whole world, over the space, everything. He is over everything. When you wanted to be with Jesus, when you wanted to hang out with Jesus, when he was here on earth, you had to go where he was. You had to physically go to Jerusalem, Galilee, wherever he was. That's where you had to go. If you had a question, that's where you went. If you, had, you know, wanted to hang out with him, you had to go and find him where he was physically. Now, cosmically, he is over everything. And here's here's the blessing. He sends the Holy Spirit. You have to understand the power of what we believe. The fact that he ascended, he needed to send the Holy Spirit now to dwell within us. So that the greater works that he's talking about, you and I can now do. There is no greater work than the new life in Christ there is no greater work than watching people come in all messed up and as they stay the course and allow the Holy Spirit to lead them and to guide them that they begin to walk with the Lord. Well let's talk about the ascension for a moment. There was this young man by the name of Stephen in the book of Acts. Now you have to understand that the book of Acts is the story of how the Holy Spirit moved upon the church. Ordinary men now began to do extraordinary things because of the promise of what Jesus said that he had to go to the Father. If I don't go to the Father, you won't be able to do what you need to do. How many of us are Christians here? Come on, raise your hand. How many of us still don't like no people? See, a bunch of hands were like, oh, (laughs) they went up higher. (laughs) Why is that? Why is that, right? Because we're not perfect people. But the Holy Spirit has come to do what? To transform us. You don't get it instantly. You don't get zapped. People are like, oh man, you're kidding me. I thought I would get zapped and I'd be walking on water. I have halos and floating through the air. And everybody be calling me blessed and holy and all that stuff. Absolutely not. The Holy Spirit was sent to give us not only this new life, but this transformative work that has to happen in our lives. And guys, it happens in degrees. Like some of us want it like 40 degrees. (laughs) I'm fixed. It happens one degree at a time. I could do one degree today, and then maybe three months later, another degree. And you know, we're so impatient that we try to Fake it. I want to walk you through this today so that you understand. This is why sometimes people outside the church call us hypocrites. Because they expect these perfect people to be among them. And they don't realize this, that the Holy Spirit came to do this work and is still doing it. And Stephen was able to witness about where Jesus was. If you go to Acts chapter 7 verse 56, you can write this down again. Glory be to God. As the Holy Spirit began to move in the book of Acts, things began to happen, and there was a discrepancy that happened. The, the widows, and, and all, you know, they weren't being fed. People weren't being taken care of. And they were told to select people full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to be able to carry out this work. Now, you should be paying attention to that. Full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You, you need to have the Holy Spirit. It has to be a new life. You cannot be a Christian and not be born again. I'll say that again. You cannot be a Christian and not be born again. There's got to be this newness of life that is happening. You cannot be the same. You walk in one way, stay here long enough, and sincerely, sincerely apply yourself to the teachings of Jesus. It will change you. It will transform you. It would make you, you know, better people because he's leading you somewhere. His goal is to make you like his son. And, and, and it may not happen on this side of, of what we call heaven. Amen? Amen? Stephen was chosen. He was one of them. And they said Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. And what happened with Stephen is, I don't know, when you get full of the Holy Spirit, you start saying some things that some people just look at you funny about. And that's what he did. He challenged the council. He began to tell them from beginning to end the history of the Jews. And then he said, you know, that one that came, that you crucified, the one that, you know, you got all together and decided to crucify and kill and all that stuff. And they were infuriated. They got so mad that they put him in a pit and they were ready to stone him. And they began. That was crucifixion and stoning was like in at that time. You know, it's still in in some places, but. They took these stones and they began to toss them at this young man. And in the midst of him dying, he said he looked up and he saw one as the son of man in heaven sitting on the right hand of the father. And he uttered the same words that Jesus uttered. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do So here's another instance in which we see that physically the ascension of Jesus is documented in the scriptures. Jesus in heaven moving through our lives working things out in our lives allowing us to become the people that he wants us to be. If he did not ascend we would not have the Holy Spirit present. And the only thing You think it's bad now. When the Holy Spirit is lifted from this earth, you will see evil at its worst. I hope your view is from 30,000 feet up. (laughs) I hope that's where it is. It's important for you to understand that. Because what begins to happen, a lot of people think that the cross was the succession. No, for me and for the scriptures, what it tells us is it's this commencement of life for us. The Holy Spirit now comes, begins to dwell inside you and begins to chip away and wrestle away and when he moves in, he begins to clean house and all that attitude and all that stuff and as you're reading God's word, he reveals this truth to you and you begin to say, man, I don't like doing that anymore. Now I really don't want to do that anymore. Now I want to, now walk this way. I want to act this way. I want to talk this way. Listen, when I first started, I just had big threes, right? I was going to stop cussing. I worked on that. <laughs> worked on that. Holy Spirit got me with that one. When I read his word and it told me that you can draw sweet and bitter water from the same well. You can't praise me and then curse man who is made in my image. And it just wrecked me. It just blew me away. I was like, okay, that's it. Now, you have to understand I came from a place where, you know, a cuss word every now and then made you a cool. You know what I mean? We just dropped every now and then just to get your attention. Some of us are laughing in this room. Some of us are not laughing. You're still cussing. You need to read that scripture. Amen? So what began to happen in my life was just that. God began to move through his spirit within me and around me. But still, as believers, there's this internal and external conflict, right? And this external and internal conflict has to do with what we find in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. If you have your Bibles, 10 there. If not, it's going to be on the screen. Now, I got some artwork that I want to show you, okay? Now, my, my men on Thursdays, they criticize me for my artwork, Okay? But I think they get the point when I do these things. And I'm hoping you get the point too. I think think it's good. Where's Gil? Gil's always criticizing me. He's like, oh, no, more artwork. Okay. So the cross itself, Jesus ascends, sits at the right hand, sends the Holy Spirit. So here on earth, we begin to walk. Right, He's working things out in our lives. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 or 23, if someone can turn there, it'll be on the screen as well. I want to read something because it's here that the Holy Spirit is working things out for us. In 1 Corinthians 12, 1, 11 you can write that down the wall. It'll be on the screen later if we need it. But it's the gifts of the Spirit. Two different things. Holy Spirit is sent... So that we can now walk in a way that honors what God has written down in his word. This is what the Holy Spirit has come to do in our lives. Jesus ascended and sent help. I don't know about you, but I need help. Okay? I have you in this room and you don't need help, then I don't know what you're doing here. Okay? We all need help up in here. Okay? Alright? Me first. All right, so if there was help over there, I'll be first online, so don't jump me. Okay? Galatians 5.22, it is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I need to read it because this is where we make a mistake here as believers. Okay? It says here, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. The word fruit there. Does everybody see it? Is it singular or plural? English students all failed. Okay. I don't want you to get caught up with the list. I need you to get caught up with the word fruit. It is singular. And this is where a lot of people get it all twisted. Man, I got a lot. I got peace, pastor. I got peace. But if that guy don't move out of my way, I'm going to kill him. You see that, what's going on there? You say you have peace, but don't have patience. And it's fruit. The Holy Spirit was sent because there is a work that has to be done in us to affect the world around us. And we cannot affect the world around us unless we become fruitful. So pick any two. Because if you say you have more love, you should have joy. You see, it's not dribs and drives. It's not, I got more of one or the other. It is this degree, it is this degree that happens as we're walking through this earth. And every now and then, when I can't do it, I get back to here. And I say, Lord, I need to learn to love. I need the evidence that I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. As I've come to Christ, I need to be able to love. Love my enemies, love those who persecute me, love those who hate me, love those who will talk about me. See, we don't know how to love. We don't. Come on now, you don't know how to love. You mistake one word for the other. So if you have love, you have to have joy. And right now, a bunch of Christians are saying, oh, my God, I don't believe what he's saying. Like, really? I thought I was joyful and free. No, you're clean, Okay. and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what this Holy Spirit came to produce in each and every single one of us. Does it happen instantly? Listen, I've been at this 25 years. I still got some people like, just stay away from me. And you know what I do? I go back to the origin. I go back to the place where it all began, the cross. And I say, Lord, I need to love this person. Help me. You know what God h- helps me to do? Helps me to serve this person. That messes up people. Like, like, like the people that, 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 that hurt you and talk about you and you try to serve them, they're like, why is he doing that? He's setting me up for something. <laughs> right? He's trying to get me, right? I went to the cross where I need to go back to. I need to look to heaven from where my house comes from. I need to ask God, God, help me to be able to love. Help me to have joy. Help me to have peace. And again, it happens in degrees. But this is the, the place that we are. This horizontal plane where all all of us in this room meet in some coordinate. The seat you're in is a coordinate. There is a place that you're sitting right now where everything crosses, everything comes together. But the fruit that you should be producing is right here. So, so where is it that you're having some issues with. Because I need you to come back to the cross where it didn't end, where it began. Where his ascension now sends his Holy Spirit to begin to help us. To begin to work through us. To get us to this place. You see, if Jesus did not ascend, we would be aimlessly wandering, trying to figure this out on our own, drawing from the Internet about what love looks like. The word clearly tells us what the work of the Holy Spirit is. It is this fruit. And then the next one, of course, is the gifts. We won't go through them, but every single person. When Jesus ascended, he distributed gifts to every single person. So you have the fruit working through you. So now you have a passion and a love for the hurting, the suffering, the loss. Listen to me. There is no reason, and this is for no other reason except the Holy Spirit moment, there is no reason for our brothers in Sierra Leone to have to close down. There just isn't. They're on the other side of the world, under great constraints trying to do what God has told them to do. And just so you know, the work, Jesus, remember what I said, Jesus now is leading cosmically. He's over everything. So he's touching someone in the other side of the world and saying, I want you to leave what you've grown up believing and follow me. Now, you guys don't hear that. Maybe you need to hear the story of when people leave their traditional lineage of what they believed. How they become stigmatized and ostracized and even banished. See, here, we, you know, we vacillate. We, I'm, I'm a Christian today. I'm not a Christian today. I'm a Christian today. I'm not a Christian today. Once you say you're a Christian in other parts of the world, there's a bullseye on your back not only by the people around you, your own family, and the government. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that the world will begin to move in this continuum that we're talking about today. And he rules from the right hand of the Father. Just so you know, it started out with 12. It grew. The upper room... Bunch of people were there too, 120. Others were there that just left. I want you to know that the world population today is about 7.5 billion people fluctuating up and down. Even as I speak, somebody's dying, somebody's being born. 2.2 billion of these people are documented Christians. You didn't hear that number, right? Started with Jesus showing up, started with twelve, started with the Holy Spirit coming down and now moving out on people's lives. And I said document it because still to this day there are people who cannot say they're Christians for fear of persecution or being killed. So they work, you know, incandescent, you know, like like the CIA here, you know, they're just moving and going from door to door, maybe meeting here and going here. In in China, there's over 635 million Christians, and that's where the biggest population, that's where the big move is today of the Holy Spirit. You don't know how long people have been praying since the days of Hudson Taylor. we have been praying for China, praying for China. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus did not ascend, the Holy Spirit would not be able to come. So you know when you feel like, um, I don't want to do that, it's the Holy Spirit. When you don't want to do that anymore, it's the Holy Spirit leading you, even faith. Listen, the Bible says clearly in Ephesians that we are saved by grace. Somebody say that, saved by grace. You don't deserve it. We don't. Saved by grace through faith, set apart for good works that have been set up for you, established long ago. He said, "Pastor, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm doing anything good. The fact that you just showed up today, the fact that you just brought some family with you." The fact that you're trying to do the right things, the Holy Spirit leading you and walking in your life, my concern is that you're not going into God's word to find out deeper truths about what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be doing in your life. Amen? Amen. I'm going to read John. There's a scripture here, John 16, and I want you to hear. If you're looking in your Bibles, John 16. It talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. John 16 verse 5. I'm going to be reading a few verses and I want you to hear this. And I won't go further into the Holy Spirit because part of the Apostles Creed, there's a section there that is I believe in the Holy Spirit and we'll go further into it but I need you to know that the ascension of Christ was pivotal and the implication of it is that if it didn't come we wouldn't have what we have today. 2.2 billion and counting. The fact that you came to Christ Holy Spirit the fact that you are acting in a particular way is because you believe something and the Holy Spirit now within you is leading you and guiding you and working through your life it's not because you, you, know, you decided to do this no one comes to the Father unless they're drawn amen it says now this is in red print in my Bible if you have a study Bible by the way it's the greatest investment you will ever make invest in the Bible study Bible, where you can mark it up and tear it up. And this was a gift to me by a very dear friend. Amen? And it says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. This is Jesus speaking. And none of you ask me where I'm going. Instead, you are very sad. But it's actually best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the counselor won't come. Now the translation in the Greek is which means one like me, which means the Holy Spirit. In other words, if I don't go, I'm on your side. You don't want me to go. I'm gonna stay here with you, but you won't accomplish anything. You won't do greater works than I have, you know, done if I don't leave. I have to send power so that you can be able to do those things. Because you don't know how to love. So the Holy Spirit has to teach you how to love. You don't know what joy looks like. You send the song, Joy like River, Joy like River, and you don't know what it means. It's all about being patient. Let somebody cut you off in traffic. You talk about faithfulness. Just now Louisa said, Hey, can you give me an hour? The hands went up, they went down, they went down, they went in their pockets. It's all about goodness. Being gentle. Come on, some of you on the way here were screaming at somebody in your car. Oh, he's screaming, yo, hurry up, get ready, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Not gentleness, why? It happens in degrees. I'm not trying to criticize you or anything like that. I just want you to know that don't go around saying you're joyful and free and have patience and have peace. Why? It hasn't happened, but it's happening. God is working it out through you. Amen? He says, counsel won't come. If I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convince the world of its sin. Of God's righteousness. Why will he convince the world of his sin? Because there will be people that will not participate in what everybody else is doing. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit in them. And there will be people that will walk the extra mile and go above and beyond and do the things like someone's doing in West Africa and someone's doing on the corner of Skimahorn and 3rd Avenue. Helping a people that will not a people become a people. Establishing an environment in which you can show up and meet God and then he can help you walk through this. Man, that's a very powerful thing. I couldn't do it on my own. You know that. Left to your own devices, Woo! That'd be hurricane gusts. <laughs> it ain't tied down. It's gone. Hey, man! Look what it says here. Let me just finish. I, I gotta get out of here. And when he comes, he will convince the world of the sinning of God's righteousness. So that's gonna reveal what: what looks like sin and what looks like God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. Wow! Because his ascension, one of the implications is that he will return. And we will reign with him forever. Amen. Those who endure, those who are victorious, he will sit at the right hand of the father. Because he was victorious, you will also be victorious if you endure. Amen? Amen. And it says, the world's son is this. Unbelief in me. See, everybody reads John 3.16 but doesn't read John 3.17. That people already, because of their unbelief, are stuck in a world in which they embrace a narcissism and atheism and intellectualism and materialism and they wonder why all those things are not satisfying, all those things are not helping them to become the people that God wants them to be. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the Prince of this world has already... Been judged when the spirit, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. John in Revelation also saw the lamb who was slaughtered open up the scrolls, and the 24 elders that were present were singing unto him, You are worthy to open the scroll. You are worthy to be praised. John, in the revelation that Jesus allowed them to see and said, Write it down so people will know that I am reigning and ruling now cosmically from heaven. I've sent you one like me to empower you so that greater works you can do. People equate that with, you know, walking on water and all that stuff. You watch the movement of the early church. There were amazing miracles. Amazing. And still to this day, if you look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God is still working through ordinary people to do extraordinary things.